Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends. Appreciate you joining us today. Got a really exciting postcard to share with you today. This is from Six Mile Bridge, Clare, Ireland. What a cool postcard. This is from the Andrew Day family. They serve as missionaries there in the beautiful country of Ireland. It's been my a privilege to be to Ireland on several occasions uh, for ministry, and it is absolutely one of the most beautiful places on earth. They call it the Emerald Isle because it's always green, and that's because it rains a lot, but it, it really is beautiful. So thank you, uh, folks there in uh, Ireland for listening. They listen on the Living Word uh, FM station, and they get the app. And so thank you for uh, for joining us every day here for Everyday Truth. Uh, we are at the end of Mark chapter number four, and this is a, a very famous story in the Bible, but a, as is the case with many stories in the Bible, we, we read them outside of their context. So I want us to remember that in Mark four, we've been talking about a very busy day in the life of Jesus, primarily a, a day of teaching. Uh, teaching on the kingdom, teaching parables about the kingdom. And look at the parallel accounts, by the way, in Matthew and Luke. It'll help you to frame it a little bit better. But after that busy day, watch what happens. So Mark chapter number four and verse number 35, where the Bible says, and the same day. Interesting. So when the Bible gives you a specific frame of reference for chronology or for geography, it is important that we pay attention because God wants you to make that connection. Okay, so the same day that Jesus experienced some of the uh, opposition from some of these religious leaders, the same day that Jesus was teaching all of these parables, uh, the Bible says in verse number 35, and the same day when the even was come. So, boy, we have some specificity here. So it's the same day all of these other things have taken place. All day long, Jesus has been teaching and working uh, and dealing with the the opposition. Uh, And now at the end of the day, when the evening had now come, the Bible says in verse number 35, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Now, I think it's important that you understand that when Jesus used the term the other side, that actually was a geographical term, the other side. What that meant was, as you look at a picture of the Sea of Galilee, I hope you can do that. Remember, the Sea of Galilee is 13 miles north to south, eight miles at its widest, east to west. Jesus was teaching at a place called Capernaum, which is really on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. He's going to get into a boat and sail to the other side. So if you're picturing the Sea of Galilee, if you can do this topographically in your mind, then the east side of the Sea of Galilee uh, is where Jesus was going. That's the other side. 
Now, other, uh, other than what? Well, other than the Jewish side. So it was the west side, really the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee that was more of the, the, the Jewish side, part of the kingdom of Herod Antipas. And then as you go toward the east, you would cross the Jordan River as it comes into the Sea of Galilee. On that other side is the, the Tetrarchy of Herod Philip. And the, the other side, the east side, the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee would be uh, the part of the Decapolis. So Decapolis, Deca, meaning 10, Polis, meaning city. So the Decapolis was really 10 separate Greek city-states that were located on that side of the Sea of Galilee, extending down a little bit south on that side of the Jordan River. Only one of those cities was on the western side of the Jordan River. That's a city called Bethshan, and that was the largest of the 10 cities and the capital of Decapolis. We go there on our Israel trips, an amazing example of Roman ruins. But Jesus now is leaving Capernaum, going to the other side. Interesting. He spent all day teaching uh, Jewish people, talking about the kingdom. And of course, to, to the Jewish mind, the kingdom is their greatest expectation. But now he's going to the other side, a place that the Jews feel like they don't participate in kingdom promises. They're not even part of God's plan. Of course, that's not true. So why? Why would Jesus, after a busy day, be getting onto a boat, going to this non-Jewish place with his disciples in the middle of the night? Well, that kind of creates some drama, doesn't it? Well, look at verse number 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, so before they could even leave, they had to dismiss the crowd, and they took and they took him even as he was in the ship. So things were so pressing, so busy, so hectic that there was no time to pack. There was no time to go and get things prepared. I mean, it was just like, just like you are with the stuff you've got. Let's jump in the boat. We got to go. And they took him just as he was in, in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. So uh, people were following. They were trying to shadow the ministry of Jesus. Now, here's where it really gets interesting. Verse number 32. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And I love how Mark in his Gospels kind of speaks presently. It was now full. Almost like he's putting the reader right there in the story, like this is happening. And can you imagine? So here you are, you're tired, it's been a busy day, uh, you've made a quick decision, you're heading out across this lake, and a storm comes up just like that. Now, I know that you're thinking, well, if it's just a lake, I mean, how bad could a storm actually be? Now, listen, I've been many times on the Sea of Galilee, and I'm telling you, the lowest freshwater lake in the world, 600 feet below sea level, is this, the uh, Sea of Galilee. And as the wind swoops down, especially in the evening time, boy, though, that, that, that little lake can really become tempestuous. And they're not on a big boat. If you go to Guinnessar in uh, Galilee, you can see, a, you can see they, they found a first century fishing boat, much like the, the kind of boat that Jesus would have been in uh, on this night. And they're not big. 
Uh, they're, they're not a large at all. And I've been on, I've actually been on the Sea of Galilee in one of those little boats, an exact replica of what they call the Jesus boat. And uh, e- even that day, we, we could feel the waves and it wasn't, it was, it was a relatively calm day. So can you imagine in the middle of the night, the storm that rises and the waves and it, it's spilling into the boat, they're bailing water, but they're not, they're not bailing it out as quickly as it's coming in. And remember that some of these disciples are weathered fishermen. I mean, they, they've spent many, many, many a night out on uh, the sea. They've been in many, many a storm. And yet this one is like the granddaddy of all storms. So what happens? Well, you know the story, but let, let's read on. Verse number 38. And he, so Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, the back, asleep on a pillow. Uh, that, that says so much to me, just about the fact that Jesus, of course, is Almighty God. He is Creator God. By Him, the worlds were created. Uh, Jesus has all power. And yet, He came to this earth and took upon Him the form of a servant and subjected Himself willingly. He was willing to, uh, to divest Himself of the prerogatives of deity to live life like we do, to, to suffer pain to feel fatigue, to have to sleep. And so Jesus here, after a busy day, is sleeping in this storm. And the Bible says in verse number 38, and they awake him and they say unto him, this is so interesting, Master, carest thou not that we perish? So there's a lot of assumption going on in in that question. Uh, First of all, they call him Master, so they, they address him uh, respectfully as their teacher, but they 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 make some assumptions that that are unwise. Don't you care that we perish? Well, first of all, they're assuming that they're going to die, which is ironic because Jesus has just spent an entire day teaching them that the kingdom of God is going to be a process. It's going to grow slowly. I'm using your men as my as my, my initial leaders in this process. So why would they think that on the very day that Jesus is talking about the inception of and the slow growth of the kingdom, that somehow they're going to be killed that night? That makes no sense. It really speaks to the fact that they didn't truly believe the kingdom parables that Jesus was teaching. So I think the first assumption was, hey, we're going to die. Now, they weren't going to die, as we shall see. And then the second assumption was built upon the first. So if the first assumption is, we're going to die, then the second assumption is, you don't care. Don't, don't, don't you care? Why would you put us in? You're, you're our master. Uh, you're a miracle worker. Don't you care? that we're going to die? Why did you put us out in this dangerous situation? Why, why would you have led us here? Maybe would be the uh, kind of the question behind the question. Well, obviously, uh, they were wrong on two counts. They were wrong, first of all, in their assumption that they would die. And that was just a lack of faith in what Jesus had taught them already. And, and think about this. Jesus had already said to them, let us go over onto the other side. <laughs> so Jesus had already given the implication that we're going to the other side. We're going to land on the other shore. But for whatever reason, in that moment, in that storm, they could not trust the simple given word of the Lord. And then, of course, 
uh, they're now questioning his character. Don't you don't care for us? It's very similar to what Martha said. Remember when Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, Martha was cumbered about much serving, and she said, Lord, carest thou not that my sister hath left me to serve alone? You don't care. If you cared for me, then you would recognize that I need help, and you're not giving me help, therefore you don't care. So very similar, assumptions and assumptions. Now look at verse number 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind. And said unto the sea, Peace, be still. Wow. His lordship over nature. His authority over the elements. So we've seen his authority in teaching. We've seen his authority in miracle working uh, when it comes to healing. But wow, uh, he now is exercising authority over the elements themselves. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. So almost as a stark contrast, a great storm and now a great calm. I mean, the sea was as placid like glass was that sea. Can you imagine that contrast? So whom did Jesus rebuke? Well, obviously he rebuked uh, the elements. He rebuked the storm. But really, what was the rebuke? Look at the very last verse, verse number 41 or verse number 40, rather. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? Why are you afraid? Why have you taken counsel of your circumstances? How is it that ye have no faith? O ye of little faith. So really the storm is being rebuked, but so are the disciples. And the rebuke of the disciples is, guys, why do you have no faith? Faith must have an object. You should have had faith in what I said. You should have had faith in who I am. You should have faith in the teaching that I just gave you about the slow growth of the kingdom. Verse number 41, and they feared exceedingly, different kind of fear, and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Boy, they're never going to forget They're never going to forget the power of Christ in that moment. You know, that's oftentimes the case in in your life and mine, that the times that we see the Lord most clearly, the time when our fear is rebuked most poignantly, the time that we see the power of God most especially is during those storm times in our life. That might be you today. Maybe you are dealing with a tempestuous situation and you're doing the best you can to build water and you're tempted to say, "Uh, I'm not going to make it. Uh, I am just being eaten up by this thing. And Lord, where are you? Don't you care? And this would be a great passage on which to meditate. So I hope that helps today. I know it helped me. We finished chapter number four. We'll jump into a brand new chapter next episode. Hope you'll join us. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.